Hello, hello, everyone, and welcome to Classic Vinyl Podcast, the podcast where I, Justin, and my co-host Tyler, we take our unexpert opinions, and it's where we attempt to review an album of the classic vinyl era of the 60s and 70s. And we've got another one today. We do. Are you ready for this one? Oh, I'm feeling very patriotic. And how are you doing this evening anyways? You know, not too terrible. I've uh, I had a wonderful time driving around the neighborhood looking for all the happy, shiny people. Yes, that's quite the reference there. I don't know what I'm doing. But today we're going to actually review America, their debut album, America, self-titled mm-hmm. album. Uh yeah, these this is an interesting band. I uh I learned a lot about them tonight. Yeah, I've I've always really enjoyed them. I've never been huge into their albums per se, but I'm specifically into their hits, but this is an album I have on vinyl that I got from my father, which uh, is the one we listen to tonight. Explains it the peace loving hippie. Yeah, there you go. But you know the thing about it is is I think I might have this on rotation a little more often. You know, I can see that. Yeah. <laughs> so let's get into a little history on the band. Of course, the band is named America. It's kind of strange from a group of Americans hailing from London. But they're basically, if you want to call them an American band, they essentially are. But they did meet when their uh, fathers were stationed in England for the mm-hmm. war. So it was in 1970. Uh, the band consists of Dewey Bunnell on lead vocals and guitar, Jerry Beckley on bass and guitars, and Dan Peake on guitars. And, of course, Jerry Beckley and Dan Peake do some vocals as well. But as you'll see with his band, there's a lot of harmonies as well that are put into a lot of their music. Of course, they met while their fathers were stationed in London. Their fathers were in the Air Force. Um, The band got together. They eventually did sign a deal with Warner Brothers Records in 1970. And they've had multiple touring musicians over the years and they've used multiple session musicians over the years as well because it pretty much is a trio mm-hmm. of the band but they bring a lot of a lot of people into the studio and they all play different instruments in the studio as well a lot of sounds coming out from this band yeah kind of interesting for pretty much an acoustic band at least mm-hmm. as far as his first album is concerned okay so overall america the band has released 23 studio albums 11 live albums and like we've talked many a times, 22 compilation albums. They've nearly released as many compilation albums as they have studio albums. I should say I don't get that, but I do get it. It's a money thing, obviously. Now, out of their albums, they had eight of their albums in the top 40, four in the top 10, and they had one hit number one, and that's this one right here that we're reviewing tonight. I can see why. Yeah, they've released 47 singles all in all. They had 11 of those singles in the top 40, seven in the top 10, and they had five singles hit number one, A Horse With No Name, which is off this album, Sister Golden Hair, Tin Man, Lonely People, and Today's the Day. Uh, they did have a mild comeback in 1982. I think people would uh, maybe remember the song You Can Do Magic, which it hit number mm-hmm. eight. So they did have a little bit of a comeback when this, yeah. you know, the acoustic music had kind of died out and the 80s we were into the synth and the pop rock and stuff but you can do you can do magic was a pretty big hit for them yeah and after their third album hat trick they actually hooked up with the famous beatles producer george martin and the beatles engineer jeff emmerich and they produced their next five albums for them and you know martin enhanced their sound with strings and bass and really thickened the sound and Helped them out a lot to become a little more popular. They spanned a lot of hits with George Martin. Hits like Tin Man, Lonely People, Sister Golden Hair, Daisy Jane, among a ton of others. 
the band sold over 12 million albums worldwide, and they did win a Grammy for Best New Artist and were nominated for Best Pop Vocal Group at the 15th Annual Grammy Awards in 1973, and they were inducted into the Vocal Group Hall of Fame in 2006, received a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame in 2012, but they are not in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame yet. You know, shows how silly it is, really. Because yeah. it's bands like this, you know. The Beatles got in. Yeah, exactly. And I'm not sure what you mean by that, but. Well, these guys, like, are, I mean, can you really call yourself the, um, uh, like, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame based out of America if America, the band, isn't in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame? If you really want to get into it and look at some of the names that are in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame and some of them that are not, mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's a bullshit thing. It really is. Yeah, these guys belong in there. Yeah, I agree. Do you want to get to the album review? I do. And now it's time for the album review. So this is the debut studio album by America. It was released on December 24th, 1971 in the UK. And they waited oh, almost three more weeks till January 10th of 1972 to release it in the US. And it was released by Warner Brother Records. Uh-huh. Well, they had to wait until after Epiphany. I I guess so. It was initially released without a horse with no name. And after that's that, fair. Yeah. But after that track became popular, they re-released the album with that track on the album with as you can see with this album cover mm-hmm. right here, it says right there, A Horse with No Name right under America. Yeah. It uh it, it's a good fit. Yeah, it is a good fit. But I, I gotta say that song, it like that one song by itself. Is probably as popular as this whole album. Well, without a doubt. Yeah. Obviously, by a group of three Americans in England mm-hmm. and naming their band America, of course, they're going to record it in London, which makes sense. It was recorded at Trident Studios in London. It was produced by Ian Samwell and Jeff Dexter, along with the band America. This album is certified platinum in the U.S. by the RIAA. It's hard to classify it. You know, some people call it folk rock. Some people call it pop. Some people call it rock. It's hippie music. Yeah, I, I kind of consider it more post-hippie. Yeah. Because, you know, you're falling into the 71, 72 area here. Mm-hmm. And the hippie movement's kind of over, and you're kind of having this transition era. Yeah. Are, are we in the flower child era? Or? I think we're past that. No, we're past the yeah, flower Yeah, I think we're past era. that. So I don't know. Uh, well, are beads still a thing? I don't know. Because I think that the people that wear beads should be into this music. I know Greg Brady had beads on his mm-hmm. doorway into his room. I see. And that was the early 70s, so that oh. must have still been a thing. There's beads on the album cover. Um, Well, on the photograph that's behind the band, anyway. Correct, and we will get to that. So this album reached number one in the U.S. and Canada both. It only reached number 14 in the U.K., so... The Brits weren't having this one quite as well. well. Maybe that's just because the name of it was America. Yeah. I mean, these kids obviously have no chill when it comes to where they're at. They uh, they're in, went in Rome, dot, dot, dot. But although it did reach platinum status in the U.S., it was certified gold in the U.K., so it did all right. Yeah. Now, as far as the group, they're made up of Dewey Bunnell, Dan Peake, Jerry Beckley. So basically, you're... I wouldn't say power trio, but that's basically the group with other session musicians. They're a little more well-rounded than your standard power trio. Yeah, and they were all very young when they mm-hmm. when they made this album, right around 20 years old each. And Dan Peake is unfortunately the only one that's passed. He passed away in 2011. 
Okay, so the album cover is kind of interesting. It's what I call post-hippies, like what I just mm-hmm. said. We're in this transitional yeah. period. And you've got the picture of the three band members just kind of looking at each other and mm-hmm. having a good time. And behind them is a picture of three Native Americans, and they're the ones wearing yeah. the beads, like you said. In sepia tone. Yeah, it's kind of a yeah. sepia tone. Now, the backside of the album is basically the three band members. They're, they're in the jungles of Vietnam. <laughs> I, maybe that's what it's supposed to be, but they're gathered around a bunch of ferns, and it yeah. looks like they're in a greenhouse or something. Uh, probably Kew Gardens. Yeah, something, something <laughs> like that. So, yeah. And, you know, the album, the album cover I've got here, you know, just has America across the top, great big, and right underneath it, mm-hmm. it says, A Horse With No Name. Just in case you were wondering. It says includes a horse with oh. no name, but you can't hardly read includes. There's an includes on Yeah, that? there's an includes, <laughs> but that's the album cover, and it's just kind of a tannish brown color. So Yeah, not a bad design. I mean, this is uh, these guys look like their fan base. People just sitting around and listening to music. They kind of look like average guys, don't they? Yeah, they do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you're ready to get the album? Yep. Side one. Okay, so Side One opens up with a song called Riverside. So this song is written by Dewey Bunnell, mm-hmm. but it's actually sang by the whole group. This song is pretty much in harmony the whole the whole yeah. way. You've got the whole group playing on it. You've got Ray Cooper on percussion on this album. as one of the session musicians they used quite frequently. Now this song, to me, you know, doing research and listening to it, it pretty much evokes lazy summer afternoons. What are your thoughts on this song? Uh, it doesn't really say lazy summer afternoon to me. It's a little too upbeat and too fast of a song to be lazy. But um, summer afternoon, sure, um, on the sides of a river. And I, I guess people who live on the side of the river get quite territorial because he's in the middle of the song. He's like, hey, I'll stay on my side of the river and you stay on your side over there. And uh, I thought, wow. Then he goes on to things like the world don't owe me no living, and I thought, well, that's that's quite uh, that's quite the uh, libertarian view. He's uh, he's a good guy. I like the music though. The uh, the it opens up with guitar strumming, and um, like yeah, you I just said, explained every song on this album. Yeah, every song on the album except has, one. Well, no, and that one has picking, but this is a nice introduction of. There is one song that opens up with piano, I should say. Pretty decent song, though. Nice sound. What were your thoughts on it? You know, I thought the intro on it was good. The fir- the first thing, it's got good guitar work on it, but the first thing that comes to mind when I hear American, especially this album, is Crosby, Stills, and Nash. They're very reminiscent of CSN yeah. to me, and it's just kind of a little later version of them. It's got a good little acoustic solo in it. The harmonies are good. It's kind of a, this this song, to me is a good album filler it's a good song it's Mm -hmm. not a skipper but it's it's very indicative of what you're going to hear on this album what you Mm -hmm. hear from this group as a as a group you know i mean they they have amazing harmonies and that's what mostly makes me say crosby stills and nash it's just very reminiscent of that yeah good way to open the album um i like you said this is a good introduction song to the album yeah i agree Mm -hmm. so moves on the second song sandman now, this song is written and sang by Dewey Bunnell. He plays a six-string bass on it as well. Dan Peake plays acoustic and electric on this, and Beckley plays bass. 
Now you've got Dave Atwood, another session musician who plays drums on this. And that's the funny thing about America is they don't have a lot of drums. I mean, there's Mm -mm. percussion from bongos and all kinds of different things like that. But there's not a lot of their songs on this album specifically that feature drums. Yeah, drum sets like, you know, like you are used to in rock and roll. Yeah. Now this song... It was never released as a single, but even to this day and from the time the album was released, it received quite a bit of radio airplay. It the, helped the build their popularity. single in my heart. <laughs> yeah, it helped build their popularity. Now, th- this was written about staying awake during the Vietnam War because of the, because the fear people had of being mm-hmm. attacked or killed, right? Yeah. And I think a lot of people know the Sandman is kind of that mythical being that represents sleep. You know, Metallica sings about it in Enter Sandman, you know, mm-hmm. and this is kind of a, this is kind of don't enter Sandman type of feeling to this. Yeah, you're running from him. Yeah. So what are your thoughts on this song? You know, it's a really, uh, this is a song that I've never heard this song in its entirety. Um, when I was in high school, my best friend and I, this is one of the things where we would go driving down the road and sing this chorus for like 10 miles straight of, I understand you've been running from the man that goes by the name of the Sandman. But you'd never heard the complete song? No, I'd never had. And Interesting. Uh, well, now that you put that together, that um, Sandman is a metaphor for sleep, and in Vietnam you're afraid to go to sleep, it's a pretty surreal thing to think about, really, that you're you know, up for days on end out in a humid mosquito ridden jungle. And and at any moment, you know, that you could get fired upon, like you from out of nowhere, bullets could come whizzing past. And so you're afraid to go to sleep because what if you go to sleep and a bullet hits you? Well, if, if you're thinking about that, then if a bullet hits you, it probably kill you instantly. Either that or it's going to be a horrible way to wake up because you're going to just wake up in a lot of pain. But if it kills you, then you couldn't, you know, what could you, you could have maybe stayed awake and survived and dodged the bullet somehow. You've thought a lot into this. Just during the song. Oh, okay. Yeah. But um, to, to be running from the same man, trying to not fall asleep, just to try to preserve as much life as you might have left scary thing to think to put yourself in the in the mindset of a soldier in vietnam um that being said what are your thoughts about this one i love this song i think it's got an amazing intro i like the strumming it's kind of a monotonous strumming mm-hmm. but not monotonous in a bad way some songs become can Almost become like monotonous march. yeah it yeah. kind of is and it, it it's really really good you know and mm-hmm. the harmonies in this song once again are beautiful it's got Drums in this song, which I really think add flavor to this group. Really do. I wish they would have used them more. I like the acoustic set, but I really like when you throw a little bass and drums in it. And the Mm -hmm. bass is good in this as well. It's got a good little acoustic solo over the electric work on there. I I think this is probably the heaviest song on the album. If you want to call any of their songs heavy, this is probably... You know, there's one other that's close, but this is a pretty heavy song. I really like the guitar at the ending, the electric guitar. It's really good. And, you know, I I like the lyrics. They're very visual. They bring you into what they're feeling and stuff, Mm -hmm. you know. And I like how they, we ain't had no time to drink that beer. I don't, to me, this song evokes that feeling of, you know, like you said, running from the Sandman and (laughs) the fear of war because the kind of things we fear nowadays 
you know, aren't the same. You know, I think people are fearing social media bullying and things, not, not putting any light on that, but you look yeah. at the kind of things 50 years mm-hmm. ago that people were fearing of going to war and dying, you know, yeah. these guys were afraid of dying without, you know, telling their mom they loved them one last time or yeah and the difference yeah. is is then they were being drafted you know i mean the wars mm-hmm. we've had since have all pretty much been volunteers you know mm-hmm. so it is sad yeah that anybody dies or gets injured in any kind of war you know when kids were just getting pulled off the streets and thrown into a foreign war that it, it was just sad you know and mm-hmm. i think i think the lyrics evoke that really well yeah yeah, so that moves us on to the next song, Three Roses. Now, this is a song written and sang by Dewey Bunnell, and he also plays acoustic guitar on there. You've got Ray Cooper on percussion, Dan Peake is on acoustic and bass, and Jerry Beckley on acoustic lead. Now, you'll notice a lot of these songs, the way they they were studio songs, you know, because a lot of these mm-hmm. guys would play multiple instruments. You'll see some guys playing bass and acoustic and electric on one song. So they were doing a lot of overdubbing. Wow. Now, this is a pretty good acoustic song, and it's basically describing being on top of the world, you know, being Mm -hmm. completely happy with everything that's going on in your life. What are your thoughts on this one? Uh, Real jazzy little song. And, uh, you know, I kind of like it. I think that uh, when he says three roses were bought with you in mind, this is – this guy's doing a huge solid for every young man at the time who listens to this song. Cause all he's got to do is buy like a fourth of the roses that he would have without this song. And then he can play the song for the girl. And he's like, Oh, it will have, it will go over just as well. If he, as if he had just bought a dozen roses for, her. and uh, he only had to buy three. You should have just called it one rose. Exactly. One of the things about this is the describing the feeling of being on top of the world. It doesn't really give me that feeling. Um, I know it's supposed to, but it just doesn't really give me that feeling. It's a little too much of the lazy jazz to to really give me that that feeling that we're describing. Um, all in all, um, pretty good song though. What were your thoughts? No, I don't mind it at all. One thing I wrote again, which is kind of the case through all these songs, is the harmonies are great on this. And I really like Brunnell's vocals. I really do. In fact, there isn't really anybody in this group that I don't like their vocals. And there, there's very few groups mm-hmm. you can say that about. I think it's kind of a cute little acoustic song. The lyrics to me describe him kind of being in love and that being on top of the world because, mm-hmm. I mean, what's more important than that, especially when you're a young man, right? Yeah, or exactly. woman, whatever. Mm-hmm. But that's kind of where it is. But it's good album filler for me. It's a good song. I wouldn't skip it. I, I enjoy listening to it. It's not my favorite. It's not my least favorite. So that moves us on to the next song, Children. Now, this is another one written and sang by Dewey Bunnell, and he also plays acoustic guitar on here. You got Dan Peake playing acoustic, and you got Jerry Beckley playing acoustic. And they've also got a session musician, David Lindley, on electric guitar on this one. Supposedly, this song is about them being reminded of being a young child again and all the freedoms that come with it. So the rebellious nature of youth, I guess, is essentially the freedom, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you don't have as many freedoms as you think when you're a young child, but yeah. if you're rebellious about mm-hmm. things, yes. So what are your thoughts on this one? Hey, man, freedom is yours for the taking when you're a kid. Don't trust anyone over 30, man. I'd say over 
12. Yeah, Unite Against the Man, which is anybody over the age of 12. Got a real laid-back feeling for it being such a uh, powerful song about, you know, trying to unite kids and to making changes and doing uh, what needs to be done to, to fight against the man. It's a, it's a nice little song. I like the the music in it. This is a song that I feel like this song is a lazy uh, summer afternoon more than the first song was. But um, what were your thoughts about it? You know, I thought this song had a good acoustic intro. But once again, great harmonies on this. The one thing I didn't like is the David Lindley steel guitar on this. I It was too country sounding for me in the background. Mm-hmm. I could have done without that or with some different style of licks. I just didn't like the way that made it sound so country. You know, it is it is kind of a pretty song, and it, it gives you feelings, like you said, of that sunny day or whatever. But I thought the song was kind of boring. <laughs> I thought the best part of this song was there's some really good vocal harmonies at the end of the song to close it out, and I thought that was the shiny moment of this song. But good song overall, not bad. Not my favorite, not my least favorite. So that brings us to the next song, which is, I, I think, not even arguably, is the most popular song, if not from this band, from this album, Horse With No Name. Now, this one was written and sang by Dewey Bunnell, and he also plays acoustic guitar. You've got Jerry Beckley plays the 12-string acoustic guitar, and Dan Peake plays bass on this. You've got Ray Cooper on percussion and Kim Hayworth on drums. So they do bring in a couple session musicians to fill this song out. And I, I kind of think that's in my opinion, what makes some of these songs that they really fill out with bass and drums and everything a little more popular because they give them that slight edge over being just simply an acoustic song. The song title apparently is a metaphor for a vehicle to get away from all the confusion of life into a peaceful and quiet place, or maybe it's like an obtuse saying about a trip through the desert. Who knows, you know? It, the funny enough is this song, when it first came out, was banned on some U.S. radio stations because the word horse was a reference to heroin to some people. Oh, And so, man. you know, a lot of people thought this was about being addicted to heroin or something like that. And not just a travelogue. I'm guessing not. But this single was certified gold by the RIAA in March of 72. This song did hit number one in the U.S., number three in the U.K. And it was number one in Finland and Canada as well, and number two in Australia. So this was a pretty big hit for them, especially coming off a debut album. Yeah, I think if they wouldn't have had the name America, they probably would have taken U.K. and Australia to number one as well. I wouldn't doubt it. So what are your thoughts on A Horse With No Name? Okay, I think everybody knows this thing song. (laughs) Yeah, whether you know America or not, you know this song. This song is such a fun song to sing and to listen to. um, Because, you know, day two, after two days in the desert sun, his skin began to turn red. So Mm -hmm. he's got sunburn on the second day. After three days, he comes to a riverbed. I'm not sure if there's water in the river or if he's, uh, you know, just uh, a dry riverbed. And then after four days in the desert sun, the horse with no name was dead. Oh, you you put a new verse in? Yeah. I'm not sure how he knows that the horse didn't have a name. Did he bother to ask if the horse had a name? Most horses are giving names by their owners anyway, so... So if it, if it, yeah, so if the horse doesn't have a name, it's his own dang fault. Do we? It's not like this is Mister Ed. Yeah, for real. Uh, but I'm thinking someone like Dewey Bunnell probably got 
made fun of for his name a lot in school. And so this is, you know, just you got to get away where, you know, in the desert you can remember your name because there ain't no one for to give you no pain. I used to make fun. In fact, I still make fun of a lot of people for over their names. And that's kind of weird. You know, the, the heat was hot and the ground was dry. Yes, it was. Excellent writing. Then after nine days, he set the horse free because he comes to the ocean and the ocean is a desert with its life underground and stuff. And then it gets kind of preachy. Tells us that humans suck. I don't know if that's as preachy as it is observant. Yes. I think you're right. Uh, So all in all, I I like this song. It's it's a great. There's a reason why it's number one. It's a good song. I'm not going to list it with one of my favorites or least favorites uh, just because this song is, you know, everybody knows it. But what are your thoughts about it? I think you, you know, you hit it on the head there. This song, if it suffers anything, it's overplay. Mm-hmm. But there is a good reason, too. There's certain songs that are overplayed and I don't like. This song, I don't flip the radio station when it comes on. I've always liked this song. It's got one of the most recognizable acoustic intros of any song ever. Yeah, it's got a good bass line. I love the hook, the la, 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 la. You know that part. It's it's an amazing hook. The whole song is fun to sing along to. If you don't even know who America is, you know this song. It's an amazing song, and I'm kind of with you on it. And you can probably sing along with it. I think most people can sing a lot of the lyrics, and I'm with you. It isn't my favorite song on the album, and it's not my least favorite. I love this song. I've always liked this song. But if anything, it suffers with me is just a little bit of overplay. Probably so. You know. So let's move on to the next song here. This one's written and sang by Jerry Beckley, who also plays acoustic and bass on this. You've got Dan Peake playing acoustic, and Bunnell is on the backup vocals on this one as all. Okay. But they did bring in a session musician, Dave Atwood, to play drums. Now, this is basically about the struggles in life and what we can or are going to achieve in life. This Mm -hmm. is the longest song on the album at five and a half minutes long. What are your thoughts on here? You know, this uh, once again has a March-like opening with that strumming on the guitar. kind of sounds like Sandman again with that same boom, boom, boom. Yeah. Then after the intro, it shifts gears and it gets really, you know, peppy. It's it's a fun song. It's uh, what I wrote as it's a nice marriage of instruments because it just, they all blend together. These guys are really talented musicians. This is a song that shows you how talented they are. So I think it's a good message to give you a chance to take a, a step back and see how far you've come and also to look ahead and see, you know, that you're on course to where you want to go. Good song for reflection on how far you've come, what you've accomplished, and what your goals still are looking forward. Here is a good place. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I, I really like this song. It's It's got that subtle acoustic intro that does kind of march along. And, you know, as much as I like Dewey Bunnell's voice, I really like Jerry Beckley's voice, especially in this song. It's mixed very up front in your face on this song, and it, it works really well. And it kind of starts off slow, but it kicks into that much faster, upbeat song with really good harmonies to it. It's got a really good acoustic solo in it. Bass is good. The finger-picking guitar is good on this. It slows down again, and the voice is good in the slow down and in the speed up. The harmonies are good. This is one of my favorite songs on the album, and this is not a song I'm super familiar with. I've listened to this album a handful of times over the years, but this is a song that's going to make its way onto my playlist because I really enjoyed this one. 
For sure. It is a perfect song to end side one. It is. So that ends side one. You ready to get to side two? Flip it over. Side two. Okay, so side two opens up with another fairly popular song, I Need You. Now, this one was written and sang by Jerry Beckley once again. He also plays piano and bass on this song. You've got Dan Peake playing the electric guitar, and Bunnell plays the acoustic guitar on this. You've also got session musician Dave Atwood on drums. This is supposedly about a typical feeling post-breakup, you know, of your relationship, where, you know, the person writing the song, being Jerry Beckley this time, eventually accepts his fate and knows what he needs to do and Mm -hmm. needs to move on. But he still wants that person he had. Still some gas in that tank that has not been combusted. Exactly. So this was the second single released off the album. It did hit number nine on the Billboard charts. But it did hit number seven on the adult contemporary charts. And number Mm. five is what it hit in Canada. It's been covered by a number of artists. uh, Most specifically, a couple popular ones were Andy Williams and Harry Milton. Mm -hmm. What are your thoughts on I Need You, Tyler? Okay, I... (laughs) I always thought this was a Beatles song. <laughs> so when I find that um, these guys uh, had the same, shared a manager with the Beatles. Not a manager, a producer, a producer, but it was not on this album. Not on this album. No, it wasn't until their fourth album. Yeah, but these guys really do have a Beatles kind of sound. It, this song is an early Beatles sounding song to me. Like, I, I figured that this came on the same album as I Want to Hold Your Hand, which is going to make me sound really stupid to all the Beatles fans out there, especially the one sitting across the room from me. But I'm waiting for my turn. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Other than that, it's a good song. I really like it. It's a nice, uh, smooth, uh, easy-to-listen-to song. It's just real mournful and pining is a good word for this song good yes it is what are your thoughts go ahead and take your turn so i've always liked this song it's a good song and pining is a good way to describe it because it is he is pining for love Mm -hmm. or lost love whatever you want to say i don't really see any beatles similarities to me except for the harmonies and i think once george martin did start working with america on the fourth album for a few albums that that's where I really seen you know the harmonies were always there from America, but to me he just filled out the sound better with this like we talked earlier with mm-hmm. the strings and the orchestration. I think it kind of filled it out to a better sound. But you got to keep in mind that was also seven eight years after he had worked with the Beatles. So I mean music had evolved quite a bit. I hear more Crosby, Stills, and Nash in these guys than anybody, and I see that in most songs it, that. To me, they, and I like Crosby, Stills, and Nash, don't get me wrong, but these guys are kind of, to me, an improvement on Crosby, Stills, and Nash. Okay. See, and I'm just not as familiar with Crosby, Stills, and Nash. I know a few of their songs, but I'm not sure that I know, I'm not sure I could name Crosby, Stills, and Nash song. Yeah, and that might be unpopular with a lot of people because I know Crosby, Stills, and Nash, or Crosby, Stills, Nash, and Young, whichever version you prefer, are probably a little more popular than these guys, but Mm -hmm. I... I do enjoy America better. Now, I think this is, you know, this is a song that goes straight into the lyrics when it opens mm-hmm. up in the piano. This is the one yeah. that goes into piano and does not have that acoustic over the top, but it has pretty little guitar runs in it. The lyrics are very pretty and very, like you said, pining. I like the vocals again. I really like Beckley's vocals in this, and I do like Bunnell's vocals as well. To me, this is good that all three members 
can sing and that's probably what makes their harmonies so amazing as well right and that, that's mm-hmm. kind of what you got with the beatles and when you talk about like beatles harmonies you know as long as you left ringo off of those their harmonies were beautiful and these guys' harmonies are beautiful and this is a really good song oh for sure um i'm gonna say one thing that is gonna make me look even dumber to if not our listener to you for sure i didn't even catch the piano <laughs> <laughs> it melt it it melted so flawlessly into all the sounds of this song. Consider that a compliment to these guys. How well that they mixed their sounds together. Well, for, I didn't even notice. For me, it's very noticeable because it's the one song that doesn't open with an acoustic intro. Yeah, so it was very noticeable. So that moves us on to the next song, "Rainy Day." This song was written by the third band member that we really haven't heard a lot from, Dan Peake, and he also is the lead vocal on this and plays acoustic guitar. You've also got Beckley on acoustic guitar, and you've got Dewey Bunnell on backup vocals. Now, David Lindley plays electric slide guitar on this again. Now, this song supposedly is about, you know, the warning of a girl, basically about the warning of a girl that isn't good for him for whatever reason, right? People know those kind of loves. You know, she's yeah. not good for you. <laughs> You're completely in love with her anyways, right? Yeah. You, you've you got to have her. There's been so many songs written about this thing, right? Yeah, <laughs> and, but the, the person writing the song or telling the story knows this person isn't mm-hmm. good for them. Yeah. It's overridden, right, by love. Yeah, for somebody that doesn't talk very much on this album, boy, when he puts his uh, pen to paper, he really hits it. So what are your thoughts on Rainy Day? Uh, so it starts with a false start, and yeah. I really like that. Normally I'd be like, what the? But with the theme of this song, that's kind of like he's trying to catch himself for making what he knows is going to be a big mistake. Yeah, it almost seems like it's yeah. a studio outtake or something, yeah. you know, the way it plays. But mm-hmm. you make a good point. It it fits yeah, with like, the theme. I, what, what am I doing? You know, kind of a thing. He's like... It's got this feeling of self-consciousness that it conveys so well. And then, like I said, there's been so many songs written about this subject of wanting the one who's bad for you that, you know, makes you self-destructive. This is a song that reminds me of uh, Low Self-Esteem by The Offspring. Self-Esteem. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Self-Esteem. Just yeah. a sucker with no self-esteem. Yeah. And the, but... This is just so beautiful because it's 30 years earlier. Probably not 30, but 20 years earlier. <laughs> no, you're probably close to yeah, 30. Probably yeah. close to 30 yeah. at that point, yeah. What are your thoughts about this one? Like you said, I really like the false start on this, the acoustic mm-hmm. intro. It, it's it's good. It's a pretty sounding intro. You know, Peak's vocals on this are good. And once mm-hmm. again, that's why the harmonies are good on this because we've heard all three band members sing now and all three of them have really good sounding voices and you know we'll we'll listen to albums sometimes where one of the guitar players is singing or something and you're like hey it's okay but you can tell there's a reason they're not the singer well Mm -hmm. all three members here could be lead singers and they are lead singers and you wouldn't you wouldn't say you know that's inferior to the other you know this song has no percussion or drums on it but the acoustic work is great and it even has that slide guitar with that little country sound to it. And I can forgive that on this one because it fits in a little better. I'm so impressed that that with a song that's about loving somebody you shouldn't love, that they did it without percussion because percussion is the, is the thing that gives you that heartbeat thing. Right. But intentionally leaving percussion out of this 
uh, just puts that message out there that no, your heart should not be into this relationship, buddy. Yeah, and to me, this along with the song we're going to get to later, Donkey Jaw, this song is the best guitar work on the album. For sure. I really like the guitars on this, so it, I thought they did an excellent job on this one. So that moves us on to the next song, Never Found the Time. This one, once again, is written and sang by Dan Peake, who also plays acoustic guitar. You've got Bunnell on backup vocals again, and Beckley is playing acoustic guitar. And then you've got Ray Cooper, a session musician. He comes in and plays the Chinese bell tree, which we had to look up and see what that was, and I showed you a picture. It's, yeah. it's basically a... Like a vertical silent, or vertical xylophone. Ba- basically, it has yeah. these little inverted metal bowls that you can play, and, and it, yeah. it does kind of sound like a xylophone when you're listening to this. Yeah, it just has that ring, but it's it's not a ring. It's a like a twinkling of a fairy, right? It's that It gives you that ringing. Yeah, and this song, I, I'm not even sure what it's about. I, I did a little research and possibly a love being interrupted in some manner by life itself getting in the way or her lies or his lies mm-hmm. or whatever it is. What are your thoughts on Never Found the Time? He's got this line in there. He repeats a few times, drink some cold water, your mouth's getting dry, which is one of those uh you know, body language things that you look for when it comes to lie detecting and telling when somebody's lying because the stress of telling the lie causes their mouth to dry up. So, I mean, there there's a, a lot of different uh, little keys in there. I think Dan Peake is a pretty talented guy for, for being in the background a bit on this uh, band. Boy, he's good. I like when he talks. So uh, Or sings. Or sings or, or plays the ukulele or whatever he's going to play. What are your thoughts about it? You know, this one was okay. I thought this song had some good acoustic work in it, but I thought the song overall was kind of boring. The one thing I didn't like is that Chinese bell tree. Yeah. I, not that I minded the sound, but the song, it did not fit with. It's like after every little verse, you'd hear, Fring! <laughs> no, yeah. <laughs> you know, and it, it's just like. And it's like the, the fairy once again has uh, granted a wish, right? Yeah, Dan Peake's <laughs> vocals are good, but that, that just kept coming in like you had a kid in the background just playing with it, you know? So <laughs> I, I don't know. This song was pretty weak for me and kind of boring. And not that I minded that sound, it was just out of place. So the next song is Clarice. It is written by Jerry Beckley, who plays acoustic, piano, chimes, bass, and electric lead. Now, this one is sang by Dan Peake. Then you've got Bunnell on acoustic, and you've got session musician Ray Cooper on percussion. And this is supposedly about a girlfriend that will not reveal herself to him, you know, when all he really wants to know is the real person she is, you know, what she's like. He wants to know he's in love with her. This is almost like a continuation of one of the previous songs. You know, it, it's kind of a song about a long journey with someone, Mm -hmm. you know, and in from the beginning to, you know, full relationship. What are your thoughts on Clarice? You know, this is a, the song sound, the music sounds mysterious. I think there's a reason for it because everything about Clarice inauthentic. It's, fake it's not the real her and all he wants to know is the real her and i think that you know you sometimes you try so hard to replace um our real selves with what we think other people want us to be and it's easy to for some people that's uh, even paralyzing they can't not do that 
because they're so afraid that if somebody were to get to know the real authentic them, that they would reject them. And that would just break their heart and cause them so much pain that they'd never recover. But really, I think that most people would prefer to deal with the authentic me. And obviously, that's what uh, Jerry is writing about in this, is he wants to know the real her. So he's been on this journey with this girl. And then one day he wakes up and finds out, well, she's making scrambled eggs. I thought she always liked her eggs uh, poached like I like them, to make a reference to Runaway Bride. <laughs> but, you know, it's wanting to find that authentic self. And uh, that authentic, that authentic person, because otherwise you're just having a relationship with somebody that's not real. And, and even though that person's just putting on a show, trying to give you everything they think you want, you got to take the risk of getting hurt and heartbroken. And there, I'm, I'm just delving way too much into the psychology of this. Yeah, I've never noticed. I'm giving so much uh, relationship advice over this podcast. You're welcome, listener. <laughs> what are your thoughts on the song? You know, although I didn't mind uh, Dan Peake's vocals on the previous two songs, Never Found the Time was kind of boring. I really liked his vocals on Rainy Day. Mm -hmm. I don't really care for his vocals on this song very mm -hmm. much. I don't know. It just doesn't fit as well for me. It, it's kind of monotonous. Uh, mm -hmm. The ending of the song was okay when it kicked up in speed a little bit, but it, it was just kind of a boring song to me. Not, I, I just really got great. completely carried away with the uh, the message of the song. And that thought about wanting someone who's not real, I, yeah, the song just kind of bypassed me. You know, I listen to the song for how the music feels. You get pissed if you don't like what they're singing if, about, yeah, you know. And, exactly. and I don't really care because I'm assuming more times than not what they're singing about probably isn't as transparent as it seems to be. A lot of times, you know, they're euphemisms for things or analogies for things, and they're not being so straightforward. Yeah, a lot of times singing about a girl is about your favorite stuffed mm -hmm. animal or something. You know, I mean, yeah, or it could just have to do with drugs and it means nothing in general, just a dream. So mm -hmm. that's why I don't get too tangled up in the lyrics. But so that moves us on to Donkey Jaw. Now this one was written by Dan Peak and sang by Dewey Bunnell. Now Dan Peak plays acoustic and electric guitar on this. Dewey Bunnell plays acoustic. Beckley plays acoustic and bass. You've got Ray Cooper on percussion and Dave Atwood on drums. So this is a full song. This is another example, as far as I'm concerned, when they fill these things out with bass and drums and everything, where the songs are excellent. Now, this is written about, essentially, about the Vietnam War and all the devastation it's causing throughout the world, right? I mean, yeah. more particularly, probably in England and in the United States. Basically singing from the perspective of maybe the children will be able to help as these children get older and they've grown up with this war and see how devastating it is to families and loved ones and just the world in general. Maybe they will change things. It was kind of the hope of the time, which it's kind of sad because when I say I don't look into lyrics too much, I look this one and I think... Nothing's still ever happened. You know, the children have grown up, and so is the generation after them, and so is the generation after them. And we still have the same problems, if not sillier ones. What are your thoughts on Donkey Jaw? Okay, so I really shouldn't have uh, written my or started writing notes before the song even started. Because <laughs> the first note that I have written down is, Oh, Samson attacked the Philistines with the jawbone of an ass. And uh, the previous song that we're listening to, I we realized that, yeah, 
Uh, Ty, maybe you need to rein it in a little bit and be present in the song. I did bring it back, though, because, like, the other note that I wrote down was perhaps the children can help. And I was like, oh, sure, by, you know, giving them shoeshine boxes rigged with explosives and send them as suicide bombers. That's not the message here. And the message of this song, I'm glad that I pulled my head out of my own donkey before uh, getting into this so that I could appreciate what they're saying because war does ravage the land. And here's a prime example is if you go over to, to France and those battlefields from World War One, World War Two, especially World War One, there's still craters from the bombs in in the land around around France. That was over a hundred years ago, and the effects of that are still ravaged the land today. It's amazing how much destruction there is with war and how long-term those effects are. And so what he's saying there with perhaps the children can help. Yeah, kids, uh, don't trust anyone over 30. Rise up against the man. You know, join your union. You know, become politically active and fight this war. Yeah, and fight, fight with the, guitars. Fight the rhetorical war. That's right. I mean, and when you talk about physical damage and things like mm-hmm. that, that's one thing. But look at the mental and the, the yeah, family see, damage. I haven't know. even gotten into that. I yeah, haven't even exactly. gotten into the psychology of it. I've just looked at the me- the physical. Well, how about the song? What did you think of the song? I like guitars. <laughs> you know, I gotta say, this is a song that does the plucking on the guitar instead of the strumming. I really liked it. Um, I really like the effect of it. I like the message of it. I like the way it felt. Gave you that because I mean, it really did feel like uh, they were singing a, a, an anti-Vietnam War song. I like the music. I did listen to it, and I I had a good time. It was um, well played, America. What about you, Justin? Where where do you stand on this song? Well, when I said with Rainy Day that it was one of the best guitar songs on this album, this is the other good guitar song mm-hmm. on the album. The intro is really good. It kind of has dueling acoustic guitars going on, you know, one strumming really mm-hmm. good in the background, one finger picking that sounds really good. This mm-hmm. song has the best thick bass line in it of any song, which I really enjoy. And for some reason to me, this sounds like a CCR type of lyric mixed with a Crosby, mm-hmm. Stills, and Nash harmony. Yeah, it, It's almost like CCR and CSN had a baby, and mm-hmm. this is the song. The electric soloing in it is really good. It has a slow down section in it, which is good, with really good guitar work. The lyrics are very visual, and, and I think the lyrics on this are pretty straightforward about the devastation of war. You know, the physical side on people, on just in general, the devastation of war, the overall devastation, you know. The song, after it does go through that uh, slow down, it speeds back up. It's got good electric guitar work throughout. This is one of my favorite songs on the album. I really enjoyed this one. And this is mm-hmm. one that I'm also not very familiar with until tonight. Like I mm-hmm. said, I've listened to this album a handful of times. I've listened to it a handful of times, streaming it on Spotify. I've thrown the vinyl on a few times here and there. And I've always enjoyed it. But to sit down and listen to this song with the purpose of reviewing it and really dissecting what's in it, I. I really enjoyed this song. Really did enjoy this song all the way around. Lyrically, the meaning of it, and obviously the the musical quality of it. So that moves us to the last song, which I thought would probably be your favorite 
on the album just because you like really, really strange songs. It's got everything that I should love in it, right? It does. So it's Pigeon's song. Now, this one was written and sang by Dewey Bunnell. In fact, he's the only one on this. Him <laughs> singing, playing his acoustic guitar. It's the shortest song on the album, just barely over two minutes long. And, of course, it has all these things in it. You know, he shot his pigeon named Fred in the head. He killed his dog. He done blowed up the bridge. Uh, maybe we shouldn't leave Dewey alone. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm wondering. Long, yeah. Hopefully this is an analogy <laughs> for something. But And I had written here on our show notes that it's kind of like a little child that builds a brick house and then destroys it mm-hmm. for whatever reason. Because, because kids like breaking shit some kids just ain't right in the head but what's the meaning you know what are your thoughts on pigeon song meaning is dewey is not okay (laughs) (laughs) so one of the things here i mean speaking so frankly about how he his pigeon named fred he shot him in the head and killed him and he also killed his dog um these are signs of psychopathy in kids so (laughs) gotta look out for this Something that I haven't really considered and uh, until the review of this is in the context of the rest of the album. Here we've been looking at war on the outside, but it seems like he's looking at the war and the anarchy on the inside. The things that cause us to be destructive, not of the planet around us, or the planet uh, that we're living on and our fellow man, but to be destructive of the things that we care about and what is it that goes on inside of us that causes us to kill our pets or torture animals. And he's saying, there's a lyric in there that says, baby boy has got to be free. I said, not that free. Stop killing your pets, dude. This song for being as weird as it is, I should, this should be my favorite, but being my least favorite on the album. I just, uh, I don't know. It, it, it was weird, but not in a fun way. It was weird in a very messed up, psychotic way. What did you think of it? I mean, just barely over two minutes long. It's kind of a nonsense song. Uh, I thought it had some good picked acoustic notes with some simple acoustic strumming at the at the first. I'm assuming this he's making analogies here, and this isn't. <laughs> I hope uh, so. I, I mean, I don't really know. It's just kind of weird. Very strange to end the album with this song. Yeah. Uh, it's just kind of filler. It's just kind of a silly song. And I, I guess we got to put ourselves in the time period. Everybody had to throw a silly song on their album. So what does it mean? I don't know. I'm, I'm sure you would think that, you know, painting some picture and you're supposed to read into it, but it's pretty specific about mm-hmm. what his pigeon's name is and what he did with the dog. And he blew up a bridge and it, it just doesn't make any sense. And I don't look too heavy into the lyrics, but it's pretty straightforward with what he's saying. Yeah, so. he didn't leave a lot of mystery behind it, and then maybe he did. Yeah, maybe he did. I don't know. So I I don't know. I'm gonna have to. Don't want to dig into the song though anymore. It's a, not a pleasant song. <laughs> no. So that ends America's self-titled album debut album. America, are you ready to get winners and losers? Let's do it. Winners and losers. Okay, Ty. Like always, you're going first. Why don't you give me your two least favorite songs two or three whatever you prefer it's our show we can make our rules yeah i'm gonna go with two first off the pigeon song was my least favorite that's an effed up way to leave to end the album so that one just lost me and once again should have been one of my favorite songs because i like weird songs it was just a little too weird for me and then the other least favorite i'm actually gonna do three roses because it's a cheap jazz song i mean stop you know just go out and buy her a full dozen bro 
Uh, I know you're doing a, a solid to your fellow man, but there I go being too dang literal with the lyrics. So what are your two least favorite or three least favorite? Do what you want. We are a little bit different on this. I kind of threw Pigeon Song away just because it, I don't, it was weird. But my least favorite songs on this album were Clarice. I didn't really like, you know, I didn't really like Peak's lead vocals on it. And to me, that song was just kind of boring and monotonous. Never found the time. Uh, which was another peak song, even though I didn't, I, I thought Rainy Day was amazing, but to me, Never Found the Time was just another one that was just boring. It, there was nothing wrong with either song. There's nothing wrong with any songs on this album. They were just, to me, those two songs were kind of monotonous and boring. I liked the acoustic, but there wasn't enough breakup in those. So what are your two or three favorite songs on this album? I'm actually going to least, uh, I only did two least favorite. I'm going to do three favorites because there's some good songs on this album. And I don't even have a particular order in my favorites for two of the three. It's my first time listening to them. So I'm going to start um, towards the back. Never found the time. I really like the sounds, good writing. And I like the Beltre that you hate. So <laughs> that one is one of my favorites. So my next uh, favorite is Here. It was a really nice mix of sounds that all convey the same message. And I really like that. It was a song where I said it was a nice marriage of instruments. Really good song, good message. I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. And then profoundly, Sandman was one of my favorites. This is one that I, you know, heard the chorus to, but hadn't heard the whole song in its entirety until tonight. I learned a lot about this song, and I feel like I'm coming to understand this song for the first time after all these years. I mean, it's been a couple decades since high school, and uh, I've, I've come to have a new appreciation for this song, so this one's going to be my favorite, too. What are your favorites? So, since this is our show and we can do whatever we want, I'm going to go with four songs. Two of them are songs, actually three of them are songs I'm really not super familiar with. Mm -hmm. I really, really like Donkey Jaw. To me, musically, that's, that song was full, and it you know it had the perfect mix of acoustic, heavy bass, little electric guitar, you know, drums, everything. It's just a good-sounding song. I like how it sped mm -hmm. up and slowed down. You know, I would say that song and Rainy Day... I really like Peak's vocals on that. It had mm -hmm. amazing guitar work. As you can see, I go for the guitar-driven songs. And one that we're very, very similar on is Here. I really like that song. I really liked, probably, if anything, I liked Jerry Beckley's vocals in that song. Yeah. And I thought that song was a pretty song. It had really nice harmonies. It Good finger-picking, you know, good bass, things like that. But my very favorite song on this album is Sandman. Oh, really? I think that song and Donkey Jaw have a lot in common because they're the two fullest sounding songs on this album. Uh, heavy, if you will, for what America is. Yeah. Uh, they just do a good job of mixing the acoustic, the harmonies, and all the sounds instead of just being just a straight acoustic song. So definitely my favorite, Sandman. I've always enjoyed that song. And I don't think it gets overplayed, even though I do hear it on the radio from now and then. So you ready to get the album ready? I am. Album rating. Okay, so America's debut album, self-titled America. What are your thoughts on this album after listening to it for the first time? And you got to explain the ratings. System. I do have to explain the ratings for anybody that's your first time listening here. We go on a scale of 0 to 10. If it's a 0, then we have to burn the album and never listen to it ever again. So now, one thing i got to ask, mm -hmm. 
What if you rate it a zero, but I don't? Do we still oh, burn the album? Or well, we have to be in agreement on that. Oh, okay. <laughs> but, okay. Uh, if it's a if we rate it a ten, then I have to buy the album. If we rate it a ten, I never regret buying the album. Yeah. And with with being a ten, only I have to rate it a ten. <laughs> so, okay, fair enough. Yeah. I was going to ask that as well. So yeah, um, and number number five being smack dab in the middle could give or take doesn't matter. So, with that being said, before you go ahead, what rating do you usually go back to the album? Like, how many albums would you go back to? Like, if you rate something a seven, do you go back to it? Or oh yeah, how many of these albums we've rated have you revisited? Every album that I've given a seven or above, I've revisited. Beyond below that, very very rare do I revisit them. Although. Some sometimes the songs stick with me, or I'll find a song here and there from the album. So this album itself, the first time listening to it, I thought it was a six, and then thought, well, with it, with that last song on the end, I was going to drop it down to a five, and then I thought, well, this album really is a seven. After the review, I was going to give it a seven, but I'm gonna because of that last song. I'm gonna drop it to a six. So six it is for me tonight. What are what's your album rating? You know, it's funny when you rate albums because that's the beautiful thing about music is you know you can like all these different bands like mm-hmm. I do. You know, the Beatles, the Doors, Led Zeppelin, the Who, Grand yeah. Funk Railroad, whoever it is, mm-hmm. right? And one day or night it feels right to listen to, and you're in the mood, and the mm-hmm. next it doesn't. I mean, we could rate this album a different day, and it would come out different depending sure. on how shitty your day was, what you went through that day, what you're in the mood for. There's enough really good songs on here. I would not be surprised to see myself rating it eight, maybe even nine. For me, I could go four of these songs on here. The four that I rated as my favorites, Mm -hmm. I could listen to them all the time. The other ones to me are give or take. You know, they weren't horrible, but throw them away. Album filler. Even though we pretty much had completely different least favorites and completely different well, i guess we were kind we're of the same on our favorites, favorites yeah. but uh, i think here in the sandman mm-hmm. i we're gonna be right dead on on the rating i give this one a six mm-hmm. it's a good album i don't know how many times i revisit it but i did find a couple gems that will work their way into my spotify mm-hmm. playlist at least for sure so that's america's debut album america and let us know what you think you know certainly reach out to us on instagram or twitter if you have any questions, comments, concerns, you agree with us, disagree with us, let us know. If you have any albums you would like us to rate, send us an email at classicvinylpodcast at gmail.com. Give us a rating on Apple or wherever you can. Share us with your friends. Every little thing helps. And until next time, we'll see you later. See you later. Thank you so much for listening to Classic Vinyl Podcast. And don't forget to subscribe on Spotify or Apple Podcast or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Follow us on Instagram at Classic Vinyl Podcast for updates and also share us with your music loving friends. Mm-hmm.